everyone, and welcome to another long-awaited episode of Real Romance. My name is Robert, also known as Bamfing Bob, and with me, as always, is my lovely wife, Brittany. Hi! Now, if any of you have been listening for a while, you know that we haven't had an episode for, what, like, three well, months? We had a Black Widow special after right after it came out, and then we said, well, we're going to put one out, but then more life happened, and it just... It was a hot mess. We actually recorded another episode, but then there was a lot of technical stuff, and it ended up getting just erased from existence. Right. Uh, factor in the fact that I just started a new job, and we've had health problems with our dogs, and just we're planning on a lot of trips. We really just haven't prioritized making the podcast, even though we've been watching a shit ton of movies, right? And I'm an TV. All sorts of stuff. So, what we're going to do is, because we have so much to talk about, we really can't do it in one sitting, or else the quality of the podcast is really going to be kind of lackluster. We're going to start losing interest about half an hour in. So, what we're going to do is we're going to break it up into segments, and then we'll come back to it and fill in as we go along. But we're going to release it as one big episode. Right. So, so- it's likely that this is, what, like an hour and a half long or something. Right, but if you don't have time to listen to something that long, there will be breaks for you to kind of... Right, so part one, part two, etc. Uh, so let's just jump in. How did we watch movies this summer? Well, theaters are back open, so that's nice, but we still did quite a bit of streaming. And I think we talked about it a couple episodes ago, but we re-signed up for Shudder. So our first segment here... Is just going to be us talking about the movies we watched on there. A little bit of new stuff, a little bit of old stuff, and just kind of everything in between, everything horror, but not all strictly horror. Right. Like horror, comedy, etc. Yeah, there's all sorts of stuff that they have on Shudder, but it does kind of revolve around horror. We're also going to talk about things we watched in theaters, things we watched on Netflix, Hulu, things of that nature. We're going to just kind of breeze through these, and then in each section we're going to pick a couple that we're going to highlight and talk about those. And then also we're going to put out uh, maybe a 20-minute or so Shang-Chi. At the end of this, we'll kind of just give a general feel for how we felt for that movie, and then we'll put out a a special. I think that makes sense, because as a Marvel movie, y'all all know that we're MCU fans, and so there's a lot to unpack there. So let's just start this off with... A, move, a couple movies that were really just their kind of horror classics. And so these are movies that are kind of like cult classics. Not necessarily like the best cult classics, but they're, I mean, they are. Um, so the first one is called Slumber Party Massacre. It's a movie that came out in the early 80s. And it's, I mean, it's pretty much essentially what you think it is. Everybody is invited to this slumber party except for like the one girl. Yeah. And uh, meanwhile, there's an escaped murderer and he starts killing all these teenagers from everywhere to like the showers and then finally he ends up at their slumber party and just starts killing them off one by one i hear that you know the 80s (laughs) i mean it was very 80s i hear the second one is very like different and kind of fun it's got a lot of like rock guitar kind of stuff going on um, but, I mean, it, th- this wasn't bad. It was a pretty average slasher flick, in my opinion. Yeah, it was your your BC movie fair. Um, I mean, the plot wasn't great, but there was gratuitous violence and nudity. And I mean, I liked it. It, it wasn't amazing, but it, it made some money in the box office, right. and that's what mattered to them back then. Yeah, you get what you pay for. Like I'd say it, w- it was a good sl- it was a good classic, yeah, though. I mean, it was I a fun throwback, it. for sure. It, it really gives you those... 
feels of yeah, this is trashy eighties horror and I it's love wonderful. a good slasher, especially when the, the teenagers deserve it. Oh no, I don't say trashy as in like it's bad. Like some things are just like so bad and yet so good. Like when we watched Frankenhooker that one time, mm-hmm. that was bad. I don't know if we ever talked about Frankenhooker. I think we did, but oh. it was I really liked it. Uh, another classic movie we watched is uh, called Sleepaway Camp. Mm-hmm. And should we give away the ending? I mean, it's been out since like no, because I, I I legitimately want people to watch the movie. Yeah, it's it's kind of an unknown enough movie to have not know the ending. Right, it's not like Jaws where it's like the sharks eating people. Right, like this one has a really nice twist at the end that really they they hold it close to their chest, but there's clues throughout that if you are a sleuth like Brittany is, you can kind of figure this stuff out. Well, especially if the second time, if you watch it again, you can really see, like, go back. Because we, we rewound and looked at a couple little things. and um, But basically, it starts off with this, like, this dad and his two kids, and they're swimming, and there's a boating accident, and the dad and one of the kids dies. Um, the girl, the daughter, ends up with her, like, weird-ass aunt. Yeah. And her, I guess he's her, her cousin. Her cousin, yeah. And they go to sleepaway camp, but, like, the girl is, like, super weird and awkward and doesn't really like anybody. And they tell the, the cousin, it's like, hey, take care of your, take care of your little cousin. Like, yeah. you know, she's she's kind of socially awkward. want to make sure that she has a good time. And then somebody starts murdering kind of shitty people at the camp. Oh, yeah, there's, like, a child molester who works in the kitchen. Or is he a janitor? No, he's a, he, he's a chef. Yeah. But, and there's chef, like, I use that term loosely. <laughs> yeah, chili he's beans a in a pot. Um, but yeah, but there's all these terrible bullies and people who are just really being mean to other people, and then they end up dead. It, I really liked it, especially the end. Yeah, it's, it's one of those movies where you, it kind of slogs through a little bit. You're like, oh, that's kind of weird. But then it comes up to the ending, and it's like, what the hell just happened? Right. Right? And they, I think they made like three or four more of them, so... I'm sure they weren't as good because the the whole shock and awe is gone. Um, another older movie we watch is also a classic called Black Sabbath. Yeah, uh, and that's an Italian giallo, which is a type of horror movie that was made popular in Italy in the 70s, 60s and 70s. It really doesn't deal too much about like, oh, I'm going to kill you. It's more about suspense and long, drawn-out scenes with like, you know, suspenseful music, shadows... Uh, really bright, like, instead of normal blood, it's, like, bright red blood. Yeah. But it, it came from, like, a series of, like, books that were put out, like, murder mysteries. But Black Sabbath is actually where the band got their name. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had, I forget what the other name was, but they ended up having to change it, and they were like, let's name it after that movie. It came out in, like, the 60s, um, and starred Boris, Boris Karloff and a couple other people. Mm-hmm. And there, it's actually an, an anthology so instead of just one long movie, Black Sabbath, there's actually three stories within it. The first is called the phone call, or the telephone call, something similar to that. And it's and it's a nice long, suspenseful thing about a woman who's getting a phone call from an ex-lover who's escaped from prison and is going to murder her. Yeah, and I mean the director is a guy named Mario Bava, and he is pretty famous for making these type of movies. Yeah, he's made several. And uh, then the second part of Black Sabbath involves what was it, vampires? No, that was the... Was that the second or the... Th- I thought that I thought was the that third. Was the, I, I thought it was the second and the third one was the witch. The the nurse lady? Yeah. I, I don't remember. It doesn't matter what order they were in. Right. But, but there was a, a vampire played by Boris Karloff yeah. and... Um, There's a whole family out in the middle of nowhere 
and they're just trying to not get killed by this fiend. Yeah. And then there's one about a witch who dies, and someone comes to kind of cover up the murder. And she gets haunted. No, she's not covering up the murder. She's cleaning her up for her, like... That was something they did Oh, she, she, and she steals the ring. Yeah. And so the, the haunted witch is now... Like, Apparently, following her I, around. I think it was alluding to that whoever steals that ring gets murdered. Because remember, at the end, the w- ring is stolen again. Yeah, and a neighbor's, like, watching with wide eyes. Yeah. Yeah, so they're very three they're three very distinct movies mm-hmm. within one. And I enjoyed every one of and them. And there's a fun little clip at the end that I really liked. Mm-hmm. It ends on a little laugh with Boris Karloff, and that's something I really appreciate. But another, it's still a very, very good movie. One, one of the other movies we watched uh, was a movie called Vicious Fun. Now, this is not a classic movie. Right. It's, it's relatively new. I think it's like within the last couple of years. Was it a Shutter original, or was it given to Shutter? Like I'm not sure. I, don't I think remember. it was. I'm pretty sure it was a Shutter original because they advertised it as such quite a few times before we actually had the chance to watch it. Remember, we tried and tried to watch the trailer, and it never popped up. Mm, and then finally, like we just watched the movie. Um, it's basically this kid accidentally stumbles upon this uh, this group for reformed serial killers. Mm-hmm. Well, like, they're not really reformed. It's like AA, but for murderers. They're not really reformed. They still kill people. Mm-hmm. But they like talk about like their methods and their ways for uh, coping and cleanup. Yeah, that sort of stuff. And it didn't really star anybody that I recognize other than the guy that plays Death in Supernatural. Uh, but it doesn't matter. That w- it was really fun. There were some like fun elements to it. It had a great ending. I would watch a sequel. Yeah. Was- see, it leaves it open to a sequel for sure. Right, definitely because the, you know the main characters. You know it is a murder, and so obviously a lot of people die. But their story could continue if. Oh, there's also that guy in the show, I forget his name, but he was in, like, The Office and a few other things. The bald oh, guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's the guy who leads the group. I forgot about him. He's easy to forget about. Because he gets murdered pretty quickly. Yeah. He's also in a lot of things. I don't know He's his name. a minor character all the time and a main character none he's of the time. He's an anger man, too, I think. Yeah. Afternoon delight. Okay, yeah, what's next? Guy. And then we watched a movie called Random Acts of Violence. This was a movie made by Jay... Berichill, I think. Sure. Yeah, he has been in a few movies, but he's also been well-known in Canadian comics. You're going to know him best from the movie How to Train Your Dragon as the voice of Hiccup. Yeah, but because you don't see him on screen, you more recognize his voice. But this movie is all about a guy who has a comic book character who is a serial killer, or he's like a a mass murderer. Mm Mm-hmm. And then in the real world, it looks like someone is using these as uh, inspiration for their own real-life murders. Like, and they're, like, stalking this guy. Yeah. And so, of course, the police think it's, like, him. Right, because he wrote a comic, and then suddenly all of his comic book deaths are following him around. And they're not just, like, normal deaths. They're, like... People getting mutilated and posed and... Yeah. All sorts of weird stuff that's really distinct to the particular pages of his comic book. And it was actually based off a comic of the same name uh, by Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. It it definitely seemed like a low-budget movie, but it wasn't bad. Like, it was still really good. It just, you could tell that there was not, like, the high money or, like, the Blumhouse money put into this yeah. film. Yeah. 
Yeah. Not that Blumhouse always puts a ton of It was definitely films. an indie film, but I think that they got their point across and it was a really good It was pretty story. good. It was... We've definitely been enjoying a lot of different horror movies. But obviously it wasn't one of our favorites. We have two that we are going to highlight. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is called Mayhem, which is stars Stephen Young, Young and yeah. Sam Mar- Samara Weaver. Yeah. I'll get it. I'll get the names eventually. Damn, baby, you eating. <laughs> What's in your mouth? You can't say nothing. I haven't been able to say a single name this whole episode. I know. They get trapped in this office building uh, with this disease that causes you to... It, it kind of it kind of explains it kind of funny, but basically you lose all your moral compass. Right, all the things that you kind of hold back in your everyday life, it brings those to light. So it's this big law firm, and when it lets loose, people are getting killed and told off. Well, and it doesn't help that they actually handled a case... For some guy that murdered his boss on this with this disease with, with this disease, and uh, they got him off because they were like, well, the disease made him murder him, and so now everybody in this office building knows. Well, it's not like they can prosecute us. It's like we literally proved to a court of law that anything I do right now is out of my control. So screw it. Let's just so go like, on a murder if you, spree. If you wanted to stab your boss before. You're definitely going to stab your boss now. Right, and, and it's the best excuse in the world because you will get away with it. Steven's character has just been fired. Right, even though he's been busting his ass for, like, years with his company trying to get a promotion. Basically, the corporation screwed him over. Big time. He didn't do anything wrong, but he's getting screwed. And then Samara's character is trying to get her house back. It's like the smallest, dumbest loan yeah. that they're trying to foreclose her house on. And she's like, we can pay. We just need a extension for like two weeks or something so they both kind of team up together and try to take out the guy up to the big house like the big big stair and this company is kind of weird like you like have to have all these special key cards and pins and all this stuff to get anywhere yeah you can only get to up to your floor in like superiority that's crazy i've never been in a business like that but i've never worked somewhere like high tech like i feel that. like that's something that's only in movies like it's gotta be, right? If any of you out there work in a place like that, let us know. I mean, I don't know. I feel like maybe somewhere like like Disney. Like, if you worked at Marvel Studios, you would probably only be allowed to your floor. Because they wouldn't want, like, say, you know, the page boy or the assistant or whatever to the head animator leaking. Yeah. Because can you imagine if you were able to break into somebody's office just because you just had a key card and you can get anywhere no, and you leaked the next Marvel movie? I mean, I know IT has a way to, like, give you allowances on your key card whether or not you can go in a room or not or whatever. But the idea of there just being, like, an elevator it, that it, closes off whole segments of the building but kind of weird. I mean, I have been in a building where you, there are floors that you can't get in unless you have... Like a specific key card. Mm. Have you never been in an elevator where it like literally won't let you go up past the like certain floor unless you have a hotel key card? That's true. I mean, but it, it was a bit extreme in this movie. Yeah. Uh, this movie was really fun. Uh, had a lot of blood. It was a lot funny, of violence. but it wasn't like it wasn't, ha 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 funny. Yeah, it was just kind of like oh damn corporation. It's top. like you're getting what you deserve kind of things. Like you see these bad people get their comeuppance. But the other movie that we really enjoyed was a movie called Dave Made a Maze. And we actually just watched this one, what, like, a week ago? Yeah. 
This one was the most different from anything we watched, and if you do have Shudder or access to this movie, I highly recommend it. It's The concept is a little wonky, and you kind of have to, you know, just lose all sense of, like, realness. Yeah. But basically, this guy made a maze while his girlfriend was gone. He's unemployed, and he's just trying to get back on his feet. Right, he's an artist, right? Something or like that. Or a sculptor. And he kind of gets inspiration, so he builds a cardboard maze in his living room. It's what, like, maybe like five by ten? It's like, not like two refrigerator boxes it's together. It's the equivalent of like a pillow fort. Like, it's it's big, but it still fits in his Yeah, room. it looks like a, like a kind of a long couch. Yeah. And, however, he gets lost in it, and he's been lost in it, and he's like, tells his girlfriend, like... Don't, don't come in. Don't come in. Don't tell anyone. And of course, she calls like eight or nine of their friends, and they also bring people, including a news crew. Yeah, but like, we're not a news crew. They're they're documentary filmmakers. Mm-hmm. But Dave's been in there, and he's like, I haven't eaten, and my cell phone is on the counter, and you're looking at it like, just come out of the cardboard box, dude. Like literally, it's just a box. Just come out. And... But then they try like moving it around, and it starts like you can hear stuff shaking inside. And you're like, what the hell? And after a few hours, they're like, you know what? Screw it. We're going inside, and we're going to just extract Dave. Dave. And, and like, there's about, like, ten people that go in. Yeah, and you can see, like, steam coming out of the maze and stuff. Oh, yeah. Intense. And they get in there. They all go in, and they're like, whoa, this room is huge. Like, it's, like, bigger than a normal room. And mm-hmm. it's just one room. It's literally the labyrinth in there. Yeah. Like, it, it's not... Well, it's made out of cardboard the whole time. And that's yeah. That's one of the interesting things about it. But it is legitimately a labyrinth. Rooms move. There are trick doors. There are monsters. But it's not your normal and horror they, movie. Yeah, like, everything is... I mean, there is, quote-unquote, gore. But it's, like, yarn and confetti. Yeah, like, like paper mache explosions. And you're like, oh, huh, red paper. That's supposed to symbolize blood. Everything in this maze is, like, made of arts and craft supplies. Mm-hmm. There's even a short segment where all the characters go through a door and they become uh, paper bag puppets, like those brown paper bags where you just put eyes on it and draw a mouth on. Right. They are all made out of that. And that's kind of trippy. And, of course, every good maze has to have a minotaur. Yeah, and this minotaur is ripped. He's got six-pack abs and a big chest. So he's like a dude with... With abs and all that, but then he's on top, he's like a cardboard minotaur. Yeah, it's like a big giant bull top head. If that makes sense. Like, all his minotaur quote-unquote parts are made of cardboard. Right, and I mean, he's not the only one who's partially made of cardboard. Uh, One of the characters who dies early on becomes completely cardboard. And then Dave, we find out, actually put his hand inside. No, I I thought that one character was like a paper mache Completely? No, because you could see her eyes inside. It looked weird. Very, very creepy. I'm not really sure. She's made of arts and crafts, but I'm not sure if it's all cardboard or another craft supply. Right. But Dave actually puts his hand inside this thing. It's Can we, can we say it's a vagina? I mean, that's kind of what they call it. it. It looks like a cardboard... But it's, like, big and swirly, like, multicolored. It's not, like, you know, anatomically no, correct or anything. No, it's not like you don't see, like, a cardboard vagina or anything. But it, but it is, like, kind of hypnotizing when you look into it, it's a void. And he, like, stuck his hand in it, and then he pulled it out, and it's, like, made out of cardboard. It's like, oh, shit, right? Yeah. It was a really interesting movie, but I would say that it was probably my favorite we watched in the last couple months. Right. From uh, Shudder. From Shudder. Yeah. Um, there was, but, I mean, you heard the list. There was a lot of good things on there. 
couple different slashers, a comic book movie, an old movie. Like, I mean... Well, there's no shortage of things to watch on streaming. And Shudder is one of those things... Now, granted, this is not a paid advertisement. This is not something that they have, you know, endorsed for us or anything. Like, legitimately, we really enjoy Shudder. And as far as streaming goes, it gives you something different from, like, Netflix and Hulu and stuff. And I gotta say, uh, at first, like, when we first started watch Shudder last year... There wasn't a ton of, like, big horror movies on there, but the longer we've had it, like, the more, like, they put on, like, Poltergeist, like, the original, you know, the one Spielberg, quote-unquote, sort of directed. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and everything, like, back to old black and white, like Nosferatu, oh, original monster movies. We're definitely, this October, I think we'll put out a, a horror special of all the movies we're going to watch, because we are definitely going to do Nosferatu. We've never watched a silent film before. Yeah. And I'm excited. Um, but there's also, like, stuff like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and some really fun Shudder originals. Like, honestly, some of our favorite movies we watched on there have been Shudder originals. Right, but every, for every one really great movie, there's, like, ten really shitty movies. You just kind of have to kind of go through and see what you can find because some of the ones that look really bad actually turn out being really good honestly and you can't judge it by the title because some of the best horror movies have the stupidest titles they've made a maze is not a good title no it's not like slacks is not a good title either <laughs> they made a maze was a better title after you've seen the movie you're like oh that title's funny because they make a joke about it in the when they're making the quote-unquote documentary but it's like if you were just to come across that movie, you would be like, "That's a shitty title." Right, and it's like you don't want to Google porno, but if you look porno up on Shutter, that's a really fun movie that we actually covered in a podcast last year. Yeah, that was so fun. Yeah, just really fun original movies. So uh, this pretty much wraps up the Shutter section, and now we're moving into part two, which is going to be all the family-friendly stuff that we watched over the past two, three months. Yeah, we had a hard time deciding how to divide the rest of the movies, and we figured... Why did you bring me a fucking spoon, though? <laughs> what? <laughs> Why did she get that? Sorry for the weird introduction, interruption thing there. Uh, our dog brought us a wooden spoon. We have no idea how she got it off the stove, but... Maybe we... it's because I uh, let it fall on the floor. Did you? Maybe a little. Robert! Anyway, back to our previously scheduled podcast. Uh, we didn't really know how to break these rest of these movies up, so we decided to go with kind of family-friendly and then a rated-R section. Not necessarily rated-R, but definitely not for the kids. Not for the kids. Right. So let's start with a documentary. We'll, we'll kind of breeze through these again like we did in the last section. Uh, the Last Blockbuster, which, which we watched on Netflix, which is funny because Netflix kind of killed uh blockbuster a little bit did we already talk about this movie i don't know but the, it, it had to have been months ago it would have been in may so yeah. sorry if we already talked about this uh it was a decent documentary i wouldn't watch it a second time or anything but long story short it's about the history of how blockbusters came to be how much of a cultural impact they had how and they, then ultimately how their own poor business decisions ended up to their demise like for the fact that they didn't buy netflix when they were given the opportunity for yeah. real cheap and then they like tried to get in on the game too and it was late because they were already like in in bankruptcy. But I mean, I mean it, it's a, it's a fun movie about you know the quest for the last blockbuster because apparently there is still one 
in like Oregon or somewhere. Is it Oregon or Washington? Right, but people like trek to the last blockbuster and it's you can rent it it's like, locally a, owned. like an Airbnb. I heard like you can rent it overnight. That's the way they make extra revenue. Hey, <laughs> that, you have to do that when you're literally the only <laughs> flagship store of a of a dying brand yeah, or a dead brand. It's really fucking. It's a zombie. You gotta do what you gotta do, I guess. Twenty bucks is twenty bucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably more. Like you, you know, I mean, they rent the Twilight House up there in Washington too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another movie that came out in May, uh, Corella. Oh yeah. Which we almost didn't go see. That was May. Yeah, it was. A, it was a, my birthday weekend. Oh, gotcha. Cruella was surprisingly really good. Yeah, a lot of a lot of these live action Disney makeovers really don't work too well. Well, here's the problem with it. Some of them just don't add anything. Like, at least Aladdin added, like, that song that Jasmine got a really good song. Mm -hmm. And I liked their interpretation, but it's not as good as the animated Aladdin. Right. And don't talk about Lion King, right? It brought stuff to the table. It just wasn't that good. Okay. And then there's Maleficent. I don't... I mean, I know a lot of people really like it, and that's fine. I personally am not a huge Angelina Jolie fan. Same. And... I don't really like... I, I think Maleficent in the cartoon is an excellent villain, but I just didn't really like her being an anti-hero because I really like her as a villain. Right, but versus in, in Cruella, they actually do make Emma Stone an anti-villain where she has a really sad backstory and she's just trying to make her way in, you know, the fashion-clad 1960s London. Yeah, the fashion in the movie was excellent. Yeah, and she has her own, uh, you know, her own personal villain in the story that she's trying to overcome. And just the amount of fashion and music and storyline they add to it gives you something different than just the plain old 101 Dalmatians redo. The only thing I will say I was sad about was that they couldn't have her smoking that green fake cigarettes. But I know that that's because they don't want kids to think smoking is cool. Yeah, times have changed. Now if you're going to smoke green smoke, it has to come out of a vape. (laughs) I don't think you could do that out of a vape in the 60s. No. So, alas. Uh, another movie we watched was an animated film on Netflix called The Mitchells vs. the Machines. Let me tell you, this is a good movie. It was really surprising. Robert was like, I heard it's good, we're going to watch it. And I was like, uh, okay. But, because it's made by the same people who did Spider-Verse. And yeah. I was like, I mean, hey, I it has like to be Spider-Verse, good. but the concept behind this one I wasn't sold on. Right. But this is a, it's a much different vibe from Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. It's a different animation style, it's a different tone overall, but it really makes some really interesting decisions as far as what it wants to do with the story, and the characters are relatable, and it's just a really fun family flick. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's super fun, there's a lot of dorkiness going on, but I loved it. The dog, so funny. Mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, and then another Netflix movie we watched was Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. Oh, yeah. So, uh, after watching Justice League, that wonderful gem of a movie, uh, we were like, hey, zombies, maybe Zack Snyder, Snyder won't screw this one up. <laughs> Sorry. Zack Snyder. Schnitzel. Okay. But we were like, you know, hey, we like zombie movies. He does well with this sort of thing. Let's see if it's any better. And was it? It was better. But the longer I go after watching it, the more I realized that it wasn't as good as... Like, it was enjoyable to watch one time, but I didn't wouldn't watch it again. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
And I feel like the mark of a good movie is that you would watch it at least if it was on TV. And I would change the channel. Yeah. <laughs> like, there was a lot of plot holes. And something we didn't notice, because our TV is not like... We watch it on the TV, not on a computer. I think we would have noticed more on a computer. Mm-hmm. But apparently there's dead pixels. And if you don't know what that is, it's basically where, like, a little... It looks like a little white dot on your screen, essentially, right? I yeah. Mean, that seems unexcusable for a big budget movie. Yeah. But the, the plot of the movie kind of feels sort of like a, uh, a one-way trip heist type movie. Uh, you know, it's not like... I mean, they're planning on getting out, but it's zombies. So there's a good possibility that people don't get out. And the more people that don't get out, the better the plot. The pot can be split between who's left. I suppose. But right? nobody's going out trying to kill anybody. Well, I mean... No, because remember, the two that got it together, they were like, this is how much you're going to get. This is how much we're going to give you. So... Yeah. But, I mean, the plot of it is kind of contrived, but it's still a really fun movie. Pregnant zombies just aren't my thing. That was very, very weird flex. I did like the zombie tiger, though. The zombie tiger is always... I was kind of disappointed in Walking Dead when Shiva didn't really become a zombie tiger, at least in what we watched. Yeah. Did she become a zombie tiger later? No. No. No, dead tiger is dead tiger. A surprising, like, standout star of this was Tignatero. Uh, yes, the star that wasn't even in the movie. Right, because I mean, you, you're looking at who's in the movie, you're like, okay, you have Dave Bautista, you have a couple of other, you know, semi-big names, and then Tig was just kind of like shoehorned in at the last second. Who, which comedian was there before? Was it, uh... Oh, fuck, if I know. Big Hair, uh, used to play in How to Train Your Dragon, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, T.J. Miller. Was it T.J. Miller? I don't fucking know, that's who you're describing. I don't remember. Me it, neither. But that is who I was describing. Yes, it is, because you said How to Train Your Dragon, and I knew exactly oh. what you were talking about. Oh, no, was it the other one, the other comedian that's gotten in trouble? The, Chris Delius? Yeah, Chris D'Elia. That's the I one. I think that was it. And they replaced him with Tig Notaro. Good uh, choice. Tig was great, and she wasn't even with most of the people, which I think is hilarious. They literally CGI'd her into the whole movie. And nobody noticed. Well, I mean, if you know, you noticed, but... Uh, another Netflix movie that, in my opinion, was ultimately more successful, and we will probably at some point finish the series, uh, was Fear Street Part 1. Ooh. 1994. Why, why haven't we watched the other two? Uh, we keep meaning to, and then you fall asleep. Uh, okay. You're I probably, like, no, it's because we watched, like, three shows beforehand, and by the time 10 o'clock hits, I'm like, it's bedtime. I have a job, and I have to be up at 6 a.m., boo-hoo. I can't be up till 3 a.m. like some people. Hey, I can't help it if the Outlander episode ended on a cliffhanger and I gotta watch the next one. And the next one. You're like on season 84. No, actually, Outlander's a lot at once. Yes, I watched 30 Rock in like three weeks. Back on topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fear Street Part 1, 1984, is all about a small town that has a serial killer and it seems to be a cursed town because... Like, every so often, there's just, like... Somebody will kill their friends out of nowhere. Yeah, and it's just, like, a random killing, but they're always like, it's the witch. And there's... Is this a two- or three-part thing? Three-part. It's three-part. And is is this the one that comes from R.L. Stein? Yes. Okay. You don't know Fear Street? I mean, I never read them, but I recognize the name. Oh, Fear Street was, like, the teenage version of 
the Goosebumps. See, I stopped at Goosebumps, right? No, After no. that, it was all about, like, Harry Potter and there's comic some, books There's me. some dope Fear Street novels. I mean, like, off the top of my head, I couldn't give you a name, but I couldn't name my favorite movie off the top of my head. Didn't name it. I bet you couldn't name an Animorphs either or Nancy Drew, but you read probably a ton of them. I'm sure I did. But it was really good, and we are looking forward to reading the other two. Hopefully we'll include those in our October yeah. edition. But all in all, it's a good family-friendly horror film. And I say family-friendly loosely because it still does have yeah, gore and scares. but it's like a... Like, I feel like I would let my 12 or 13-year-old watch it. Yeah. It, it wasn't super bad. I mean, there were some cool deaths. Well, you just describe it perfectly. It's like Goosebumps for Teenagers, so... Yeah. Uh, another movie we watched, which was... A kind of a weird movie, and it was a little bit hard to track down because it was only in certain theaters. Was a movie called Pig. Yes. Starring Nicolas Cage. And when we went into this movie, we thought it was going to be like John Wick, but Nicolas Cage. You took my pig, now die. Yeah, like these people take his truffle pig. Yeah. And, and then in the story, you find out later on that he used to be a world famous chef, and now he's just kind of like secluded in the woods and literally only thing he has in his life is his pet pig who just happens to also try to hunt for the best truffle mushrooms but he doesn't on the planet. care about the truffles he can find them without the pig but that's not the point he just loves the pig but it, it becomes this whole convoluted thing about this rival chef who's trying to you know get the best mushrooms for his own restaurant and it's just a really sad journey of this guy trying to get back yeah. the one thing he cares about. If you don't want to be sad, don't watch this movie. This movie was one of the saddest movies we watched on the list. It's a weird one. It was odd, and there was a lot of symbolism and like loss and grief and dealing with that in the real world and stuff like that. But it, it was a unique viewing experience. It was to good, say the least. but it was also artsy. It's the type of thing that you would watch and be like. Hmm, Oscar, right? Yeah. Uh, so, another movie that we did hit up in theaters was a movie called Jungle Cruise. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of it. It stars a guy uh, affectionately called The Rock and a lady named Emily Blunt. Mm-hmm. Married, I've heard those names. They're married to Jim from The Office, you know. Yeah, I thought that was Pam. <laughs> no, the real guy. Oh, you mean John Krasinski. Yeah. You see, that's different. Yeah, she was also in The Quiet Place, which we talked. To, we're going to talk about later. Yeah, in part three. Uh, but The Jungle Cruise was essentially Disney's take on The Mummy if it was set in the jungle. Yes? Yeah, and it was great. As you Such know, a good movie. We are big fans of The Mummy. Yes, I think we've mentioned it like 14 times. And in case you weren't clear, not the one with Tom Cruise. Yeah. The one with Brendan Fraser. But the whole idea of a, you know, a small group of people going on an adventure to beat this uh, mystical, mythological thing, and well, there's there's a lot of big here, action and humor. Here, here's how it is. 100%. A, a lady's going on an adventure with a big hunk-type dude, and she brings her gay brother along. Which movie am I talking about? Yes. <laughs> Very well. Because let's be honest, Jonathan from The Mummy was giving some at least some strong bi energy there. Yeah. I'm just bi saying. brother energy. <laughs> I got bi brother energy. <laughs> That's not the TikTok. <laughs> but I appreciate the effort. Uh, <laughs> the Jumpers is really good. I really enjoyed it. I'm glad that they went ahead and put it out. I know a lot of people watched it on Disney+. Plus. It was a split release. which So I, we don't actually really know how much it 
dead because I don't think Disney's telling anybody. I know. It's so weird, the box office now, because it's like, it's doing so well, but the numbers look really underwhelming. But that's because everything is streaming, like, either on HBO Max or Disney Plus or Paramount or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. It's not always in theaters. But one thing that was really fun about this movie is we actually invited your family along. We went with your sister and mom. And your mom is terrified of snakes. <laughs> okay? And little did we know that one of the main villains in this is a dude so, made out of snakes. Yeah, so, so the main villains are, like, basically made out of pieces of the jungle. There's, like, a guy made out of, like, bees. Yeah. And then there's a guy made out of snakes. He does, like, vine. There's, like, vines and stuff. Yeah. But, yeah, this guy's literally, like, made out of snakes and it's, like, crawling in his nose and out his ears and it's just disgusting looking. And I'm sitting next to Brittany's mom, and she's just terrified. You know, if you're like a bit mom scared. I'm laughing. <laughs> it's like, I honestly, it's supposed to be scary, but I was too busy having fun laughing at my mother-in-law and just get terrified at snakes. <laughs> Meanwhile, Olivia and I were hogging all the snacks. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> let's see. We got river boats. We got a jaguar. We've got uh, immortal beans. It's a lot like... The- it's got the the backside of water joke. If you guys aren't familiar with the ride at Disneyland and Disney World, there it, this is what it's based off of the Jungle Cruise ride. Yeah. Uh, we've been on it like four to five times. Yeah. Between the two parks, and we plan on going on it again in about a month and a half. Mm-hmm. So, we'll we'll see how it compared to the movie from what we remembered. So long as I get to see some of that backside of water. It's the best best joke. I don't know. There's some pretty solid dad yeah. jokes in there. The Jungle Cruise ride is pretty much associated with dad jokes. Like, that's the ride. Like, it is a jungle cruise, and there's all these animatronic animals and stuff, and you're in this boat, and it looks just like the boat in the movie. Yeah. A little nicer than the boat in the movie. Right. But it's like, there's the rhinos. You know, if you get really close, you can hear them honk their horn. It's, right. Oh, ha, ha, this is so funny. But it's just like the whole ride is just jokes. The rhinos are trying to get their point across. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's great. I love the ride. It's a great ride. Uh, second only to maybe Pirates. Yeah. It's, this is a solid flick, for sure. So, I'm glad that they made it. Uh, I don't think they should make a sequel, though. No, I definitely don't. But I do like that The Rock actually, you know, he seemed very invested in in the movie and the project. I will which I say, appreciate. one of my disappointments is that they kind of made it seem like The Rock and Emily Blunt got together at the end, yes? Kind of. But I was definitely getting this energy like The Rock and their brother were going to get together. Like, they seemed like... they The brother straight up is like basically like, I don't like girls. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. is This is like the first really official... Coming out story. Coming out in a Disney movie. Like, there's times where you see people dancing or whatever. Or there's a, you know, a same-sex couple in... Finding uh, Dory. Well, also, I was actually thinking of the one with the two elves and their half a dad. What? The Remember the one with the two kids that came out last March or some shit? Do you <laughs> not remember which one this is? Are you talking about Luca? No, the one with the minotaur in the fucking... No, she... Uh, I'm trying to think of the name <laughs> no, of it. I have no idea what you're talking yes, about. Yes, you do. The, the dad comes back and he's pants. Oh! Yeah! Yeah! That guy! Onward! Onward! Thank, the dude, the, thank God he oh, got there! They were like, you were like two elves with half a dad! And that's the story! 
What the fuck you mean? You ever see those BuzzFeed articles where they're like poorly describe a movie and it's like super obvious? Well, they should use your description instead. It was <laughs> brilliant. I'm just saying. Oh. The cops are centaur. I'm like, just saying. Are they elves? I thought they were like... No, they're, they're elves. No. I don't know. Fuck, don't Google it. We'll look it up later. We're moving on. Okay, speaking of another sort of semi-gay story, uh, let's talk about Luca. Semi-gay. Ooh. Oh, Luca is a great movie. Uh, it's also animated, and it was released exclusively on Disney+. And the Pixar people finished it at home. Yeah. Which, to me, is mega impressive. Mm-hmm. But it, it's about these two kids. Uh, Luca and... What's the other kid's name? I just forgot Other kid. It. Other kid. Luca's friend. And then they're sea monsters. And the other friend... Damn it, we need to look up this kid's no, name. No, while you're looking it up. So, these kids, they, they're sea monsters, sure, but when they're out of the water, they turn into humans. Or, you know, at least they look like humans. And the kid, Luca, is being rebellious against his family, who says, do not leave the water. Kind of like the Little Mermaid. But it's set in Italy in, like, you know, the 60s or something. And so when they leave, they go on the Italian shore, and they make a new friend. And they decide to join a bicycle and pasta eating contest, but that's not really the story, right? I mean, the story is about learning to accept yourself. Right. It's about friendship. It's about growth. His name's Alberto. Alberto. All I remember is uh, Silencio, Silencio Bruno. Bruno. Yeah. That, that's how I was like. His name's not Bruno. Right. But it's just a story about acceptance and, you know, kind of working through your shortcomings. And if that's not a metaphor for coming out, then I don't know what it is. Yeah, no, there, there there, really are some strong queer vibes in this movie, and I am all here for it, definitely. And, like, a lot of people were like, no, that little girl in him. Like, y'all are trying too hard to push the straight agenda. When we say that Luca and Alberto could be a cute couple, y'all are like, no, they're just kids. But then anybody says that Luca and that little girl G- Giallo, or however you say her name. Forget. Uh, like, that's okay? No, it's not. But whatever. It's, the same. It, it's a different. metaphor, though. It's really what. That's what the whole. I, that's the vibe I got. And the dad is so accepting. Oh my god. I love the dad in this. He doesn't say much, but he is. Him and his cat are the best characters he in the movie. He is great characters. Definitely great characters. And, but I would say this was a great Pixar movie. Agreed. So we've got a movie called The Vault, starring Freddie Highmore and Mm -hmm. a bunch of other people whose names I don't remember. It's a Netflix original, and essentially they are trying to break into this impenetrable bank. Yeah, and it's a... It is a miracle of engineering, and just so happens that Freddie Highmore is an absolute genius as far as design and engineering goes, and he ends up getting brought onto this Ocean's Eleven-type team to break into this unbreakable vault, and it just progresses from there. The story is okay, but the ideas of the mechanism and oh, the... Oh, yeah, the vault was the dope. Vault, really, really cool. So, it, like, there's some really cool things that they have to do with... Uh, what is that stuff called? The freezy stuff. Oh, liquid, liquid nitrogen. nitrogen. Yeah, and like some swimming stuff. And there's like counter counterweights and uh, floodgates oh, and all sorts thing. of stuff. And they have to, they all have to get this all done before the World Cup ends. Right, because, because that's their big cover 
And that's the whole reason why they can is because all the security, all the police are actually covering this big giant game. And all the cameras are turned towards it. Right, because the hometown is playing the championship. So it's a it's a heyday. Right. Right. It's a frenzy of people. So but I mean, overall, it's a pretty fun flick. It's not game changing or or anything. But if you like heist movies, it's a pretty good one. Yeah, and Freddie Highmore doesn't miss. He's a really great actor. Uh, another uh, one of the other movies we watched that was very fr- family friendly and it was it was a pr- pretty big hit this summer. Uh, In the Heights. In the Heights. It's a musical uh, about this guy. <laughs> Navi. Navi. Usnavi. Usnavi. Uh, named after I won't I won't ruin where the name comes from. It's that, it's 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 akin to Backside of Water. It's a great. It's joke. a great joke. It's a great joke. Well, I needed to stop. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he is trying to get home to the Dominican Republic. Well, I mean, it's not really his home. It's yeah, where it's his where his dad's from. from, and apparently he has like a little bodega or something there. And yeah. he's like, man, if I if I had the opportunity, I would move back and open up my dad's little shop, and it would be paradise. Right. But he lives in America, and so those dreams never happen. In the Heights in New York. Uh, so yeah, so it's in Washington Heights, and it's a musical. It was fun. I liked the music. I thought it was really colorful. There mm-hmm. was a lot of cool dancing. I'm not a huge musical it was, fan. It was artsy, and it definitely was a musical. The story itself wasn't as appealing to me as some other musicals are, but for what it is, I mean, it you... comes from Lin-Manuel Miranda, and he, he's really great with lyrics, but the mm-hmm. idea wasn't near as good as Hamilton. You can't wait to see, uh, what's it called, the remake of... Uh, West Side Story. Yeah. No, because, see, I fell in love with musicals because of West Side Story. I uh, fell asleep while we watched West Side Story. And so I'm hoping Spielberg does it justice. But as far as In the Heights goes, it's it's a solid musical, but I don't think it's going to be, you know, going down in history as the greatest musical ever. It's just a musical. No, I'm not a huge Hamilton fan either. But at least Hamilton, like, has made a statement of, like, a cultural phenomenon. No, I get why people like it. I'm just not a huge fan. I, like and I, said, I can respect that. I don't like musicals. But I, you like King George. I do. And that's what matters. But I'm not sure if I like King George because I like King George or because I've always liked Jonathan Groff. I think it's because you like Jonathan Groff. Probably. I only like musicals if they're animated and there's princesses. Typically. Typically. Okay. Last movie on the list. Free Guy. Free Guy stars Ryan Reynolds as a video game clerk at a uh, oh, bank. A video game clerk at a bank? Yeah. he he He's a clerk at a bank inside of a video game. <laughs> Sorry. That's not how you would describe that. You know, this movie is like an onion. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it's true. This is a really kind of inception kind of feel where there's all sorts of layers to it. But basically, he breaks the video game, and... The How does he break it? He just does something different than he normally does, right. because he sees a girl. Right. So Ryan Reynolds is a non-playable character, and y'all all know that, you know, those are the people in the background. Well, he starts doing shit that he shouldn't be able to do, and it starts impacting the game. Meanwhile, in the real world, they're about to launch the second version of this particular video game, and... There are people in the real world who are trying to break it down, and with Ryan Reynolds' help, they can do that. Because the lady, the main lady, is trying to prove that they stole her game. Yeah, this, she had a whole code and everything. They bought it from her, and they were like, yeah, we're going to put it out, and then they killed the project, 
and she believes that they stole her code to put it in this game. Right, and now Guy kind of has proof. He can find proof that it is indeed the underlying, like, code. basis of this game. But the whole time, Taika Waititi, he's like, fuck it, let's let's just destroy the game, launch the new one, and make a billion dollars. Yeah, because he's the bad guy. He is the bad guy, but he's a very funny bad guy. Kind of like Hitler was. In the movie, in the movie Jojo Rabbit, that he, he was also the bad guy. Maybe you should re- rethink your thoughts. I think I phrased it perfectly. Okay. But I really liked Free Guy. It had a great Marvel cameo thing in there. I <laughs> no, and it. it had Star Wars moments, and it had all sorts of really great like sci-fi action things. Because technically it's a Fox movie. Yeah. But uh, Disney owns Fox now, so... So they can do what the fuck they want. And I love that they actually use live streamers in the show. Like, there's like... Uh, ninjas there and a few others that are really popular. Oh, the kids behind us were like, <gasps> "Oh my gosh, that's so and so!" And we were old like, people; we uh, have no clue. But I, I recognized a few of their faces, <laughs> but they weren't people that we watched. That I watched. Right? No, if it'd been like, "Call me Kevin," you'd been like, "Kevin," but we don't. Nah, <laughs> it's not him. Man, Kevin, why we're doing this movie? But the amount of video game tropes they use and kind of throw in. And buffs and power-ups and things that will kill you and bring you back to life. All of these things felt kind of Ready Player One-ish, but in a much better way. Less pop culture, more, like, mechanics of the video game. I felt like it worked. I mean, there was definitely some, like, oh my god, look at all this pop culture. We have whatever, and we have this and that and that. Not as bad as Ready Player One, though. Yeah. Because Ready Player One, they essentially were like, well, we own all of these things, so these are what is here. But this one, it was like, actually had a real story, and then there would just be kind of fun pop culture moments popping in. Also, are we going to talk about Channing Tatum being in this? Oh, I did not know Channing Tatum was in this No, because there, there were a couple of really good cameos in this, but one of the main actual characters, like, he plays a character with lines is Channing Tatum, and he's just like, he's played by, in the real world, just the dorkiest fucking kid, but in the I, game, he's guy, Channing Tatum, and it's hilarious. I've seen that guy that plays his character, too, and other stuff. He's like this awkward yeah, kid. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's like a comedian. He's a perpetual side character in things. Um, but it's a really, really fun movie, and I highly recommend it. And even though some people might say that it's contrived or it's boring or whatever... I like I like that it was kind of predictable and really enjoyable. Kind of like Space Jam, right? We watched Space Jam. Uh, this was better than Space Jam. Yeah, it was. And we didn't even write that one on the list. Oh, I guess we should talk about Space Jam. We can spoil t- for a split second. It's LeBron instead of Michael Jackson. And in there ain't no Michael Jackson. Fucking A. <laughs> Michael Jordan. Okay. So, it's LeBron James instead of Michael Jordan. And instead of Smackhammer trying to bring Michael Jordan onto his Space Mountain thing, it's... Uh, Rody. It's Rody <laughs> playing uh, Al G. Rhythm trying to bring <laughs> LeBron James into the Look, they, WB universe. They really tried. This was Ready Player One. They were really trying for this. Good God, they did. And they didn't even hide it. They were just like, hey, yo, watch our other stuff. Blatant. 
They're they're like they practically had an HBO I Max ad in the middle. I fell asleep during this one too. Really? Yeah. Remember? I oh missed, yeah, yeah. Well, totals was basketball. I missed the whole basketball game. Yeah, but one one main difference between this one and the original Space Jam is that they actually incorporate LeBron James's son, who's not actually played by his real son. They cast somebody as his son. I think they cast his son as the second son, though. Yeah. Which is weird. But it's weird. But, yeah, and apparently the son is a big video game designer, and his whole thing is that he doesn't want to be a basketball player like his dad. He wants to go to nerd camp. And... He wants to learn to code and stuff. Right. That's what I said, nerd camp. And they end up using his computer skills against him inside this digital uh, basketball game world. Yeah. It's not as good as the first one, but it did have some really funny moments. Let's be honest with ourselves. The first one isn't as good as y'all remember. I love it, and I will die on that hill. Also, I think it's hilarious that you're like, nerd camp, when you're sitting over here, hmm. nerd... You're recording a podcast about all the movies you watched this summer, because hey. you didn't have time to go out and do anything actual fun. Hey, I was at home with you. Are you not fun? No. Oh, well, shit. <laughs> um... There were there weren't my fucking argument. I guess I don't do anything fun. <laughs> I'm very much like let's make arts and crafts. I mean, I think it's fun, but I'm sure it's not like the coolest thing in the world. It's definitely not. All right, well, that pretty much wraps up part two. So we're just gonna kind of start part three here directly. And um, we'll talk to you about all of the non-family friendly movies we watched this summer. Jumping right in with the horror movies, we've got. A movie you might have heard of called Spiral. It is a new... I don't know if it's not really a new Saw movie. I mean, it is a new Saw movie. It's tied in with the Saw universe. Right. It's not a part of the Jigsaw legacy, though. Not really. No, because it's a new villain, kind of. It, it's Jigsaw, but it's not Jigsaw. Yeah. Uh, but this, it's, it's in the shared universe, you might say. Yeah, this movie starred Chris Rock. And it was an interesting take. It was very uh, much against police brutality and police corruption. So it's really good about social commentary. Because our protagonist is black. Mm-hmm. It's talking about kind of inner city stuff. People getting bad rap. People getting things blamed on them. I like this movie better than I like most soft movies. Is that weird? Except for the part where his fingers got ripped off. That I hated. But that's something that I hate about all those soft movies. And Final Destination too. It's just like... The really weird, gory deaths always get me. Every time. See, the fingers thing was one of my favorite parts of the movie. Why? You hate fingernail stuff. No, because it wasn't his fingernails. It was his straight-up fingers. Okay. So the, it's like a Chinese finger trap, and they just it, he's got to like pull off his fingers to live or something. Some shit like that. It's been a hot minute since we saw Spiral. But Chris Rock was still funny as Chris Rock. When the the situation warranted it, mm-hmm. but on the whole, like it was a very dramatic, serious flick. And I liked I think, it. I dig it. It was it was a good good movie. I hope they make another one. Me too, but I just don't know where they're gonna go with it. Uh, I thought it ended on a great note. No, but remember the the villain. I remember. Kinda... I remember. Anyway. We're not gonna ruin it. Okay, so another movie we watched around then, back in May, was a movie called A Quiet Place Two. Which, I was not sure how they were going to go with this movie and make it better or equal to the first one. Because the first one was so good. 
kind of piggybacking off of Saw, like, you know how this one ended, like, Saw ended on a good note, kind of with plenty of room? Mm-hmm. Quiet Place ended, like, on a very definitive, this is the end kind of feeling. It wasn't, like, a good note, per se, but... No, but it was, it was a solid note to end on, and the fact that they made a whole new movie from The Quiet Place and made it good, and it some, some would so even good. argue it was better than the first one. Me, personally, no, I like John Krasinski, I prefer the first one, but that's... I think Cillian Murphy was an excellent choice to replace John Krasinski, though. Agreed. Because he brought something different. He wasn't the same character as John's character was. He wasn't the dad, but he was also someone they knew from previous... Right. It was a good addition, and they were able to flashback to why he was relevant. So, I really liked it, and I hope you guys caught that one. Um, A movie we actually watched on Netflix... Uh, recently, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it's a newer movie, but it's not like brand new. It's called His House. And it's a very weird movie. It takes place, I think it's supposed to be somewhere in England, but they don't really say. They don't even tell them. No. And it uh, kind of plays on the themes of going to a new country and feeling alone and isolated and your culture is... Isn't it like being a, a refugee? Yeah, right? they're, they're refugees. The two main characters are refugees waiting to see if they're going to be able to get citizenship. And they do get placed in a house, so they get out of the refugee... But there's really weird, like... Stuff going on. Yeah, there's contingencies. Like, in in addition to not leaving and doing XYZ, they also have to stay in the court-appointed house, and they have to keep it in the condition that it was when they got there. And they show up, and, um... They're, this house is haunted, y'all. They're dealing with struggles about losing their daughter. On the, the way, on the way to... Yeah, they, she drowned when their boat, like, capsized. And I don't want to give away too much, because the twist on that, the daughter, and all of that was so good. Like, the reason they're getting haunted was mm-hmm. so good. It ties into why they're being tormented so hard. It, it was excellent. I would say it's one of the best Netflix movies we've watched in a long time, at least. It was definitely movie theater quality. I don't know. For me, it was it was just really weird. That but, was, oh, oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say it was overall a really good flick. Uh, that was really the only movie on this part of the list that we watched on Netflix. Everything else we watched in theaters. Um, yeah, theaters have had an amazing showing for, for, for horror movies in the last few months over the summer. We watched uh, the newest Purge movie, The mm. Forever Purge. Yeah. All about Texas. Yeah. Don't be cheering that... It wasn't good. Oh, no, it was awful, but most of these movies are always taking place in California and New York and Chicago and places like that, and it was nice with a West Texas, you know, border town that actually got some of the some of the spotlight. Uh, this movie actually takes place, uh, I mean, uh, if you're familiar with the series, uh, the purge happens on one night a year, and over all night you can, no, no crimes, like... Yeah, rape, murder, theft, whatever you want to do, so long as you're done by sunup, you're okay. Well, some good old boys decided they they ain't like that. So they're going to take back their country. America! And they're going to have the forever purge where they continue purging until all the people they don't like in their country is gone. Right, and it's not necessarily about purging like we want to murder, we want to rape, and blah, blah. It's more about purging the country of illegals. Anybody they feel doesn't belong. Yeah, anybody who's other or different or essentially uh, liberals, right? They or minorities. To, they want to get rid of minorities and anyone that agrees with them. So pretty much, 
the military tries to stop them, and it basically follows this Hispanic family. Well, they weren't all family, but the main characters were were family. Mm -hmm. And they're following them trying to get to Mexico, because Mexico has said... We'll take the refugees for... It's amount of hours. Yeah, you have hours to get here, and if you can get here by then, we'll take you. And, and after that, we're closing our borders indefinitely, and we're not letting any Americans in. And the thing is, is that the, the Mexican family is also tied with a rancher whose whole family, like, employs, uh, I don't want to say illegal aliens, right? No, they're, no not, they're not illegal. But, but some of them are undocumented, and some of them don't speak English. And so there's a lot of racial tension there. But they end up having yeah. a, an unexpected allyship like there. a couple of the other ranch hands that are, quote-unquote, real Americans. I use that yeah, term. They're, they're a part of the forever part. I use that term very loosely. They basically kidnap a family and try to, like, steal their money and all this stuff. So in comparison to the other Purge movies, do you think this one measures up, or is it more like, eh? I actually really liked the take on this movie. I thought it was really speaking to where we are in America right now, kind of the tensions between. I thought it had a really good message. Because if you don't know, if you've not been paying attention... The Purge movies are all about how the quote-unquote elite people in this country are taking advantage of the poor people. Right. That's what the Purge... Now, the first Purge didn't really give off that message so much, but as the Purge movies went on, that's very clearly where it is. Like, it, like the rich people literally made it to keep poor people in line. Yeah, Saw is a little bit more like, you know, outside of it, like they do social commentary, but it's more localized. Purge is very much like current events. This is America as it is now. And that keeps it relevant for, I don't know how long. They could keep making Purge movies and be successful. I think this is probably the last one. You you really think? Well, maybe they'll make one where they kind of, like, finish it up and, like, they get rid of all those people and, I don't know. I don't, I really don't know. You don't even have to have it. It's not like continuity, like, it's not like the Avengers movies where, oh, well, because of this, it had... Sometimes you just want to go into the Purge movie and just kind of forget yourself. There was a TV show. They hardly ever referenced the TV show on the Purge. Well, because none of those characters are in the show, in the movie. Exactly. Just... Why wouldn't you just have a a Purge movie in another location with another set of people? You could, I mean, yeah, in you, theory, you could go on indefinitely. You could make however many you wanted. You don't even have to tie in the greater narrative. Just have a Purge movie, and people will go and eat that shit up because they love it. I mean, people do that all the time. How many Jason movies were there? Speaking of Halloween, like oh, we're really looking forward. We're to looking the new... forward to it. I hope it's as good as I think it would be. But I am very worried. I'm cautiously optimistic because it looks like they gave a lot away in the trailer. And we also hear that there's going to be a third Halloween movie. So there was the Halloween, and then there was Halloween Kills. Yeah, or something. This one's Halloween Kills. And then the, there's going to be the last one, and apparently it's going to continue the story. So without even seeing the second one, we kind of know there's going to be a third one, and I don't yeah, know how that's going to be. Yeah, but Michael Myers in. gets killed all the time and comes back to life. Yeah, but this is kind of different because it still has Jamie Lee Curtis. This yeah. this was a little more definitive than than the others, we, doesn't it? We shall see. We shall see. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Um, it is about to be spoopy season, so I'm ready. But it, it is the season of sequels, because we watched another sequel called The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. This is like the fourth Conjuring flick, isn't it? Uh, well, this is the third The Conjuring movie, but it's like the eighth or ninth movie. I'm not even sure. With the Warrens? Or even like tied into it? Yeah, because uh, Annabelle, those movies are tied into it, as is The Nun and La Llorona. And I think there might have been one more. There was a couple others, I think, that I'm missing. But yeah, so the... 
Who would have thought The Conjuring has a better universe than DC? <coughs> Ma'am, this is Walmart. <laughs> well, at least they're... You know, continuity, like, makes sense. Yeah. No, and all, all the same characters are showing up, and even though it's loosely based, like, just even look at the two Suicide Squad movies, which we're going to kind of be easing into here soon. Like, there's two separate movies, and even though they're in the same universe, they're vastly different. Right. Like, so... But, so, The Conjuring the Devil Made Me Do It is based on a case where this guy killed his boss, and then when he went to court... He was like, well, I was possessed by the devil. And the Warrens came and investigated, and they had actually been investigating his, like... It was his girlfriend's brother. Yes. And the brother was possessed, and he told the the thing that was possessing the brother to leave him alone, and then it possessed this guy, Arnie, I think his name was. Um, I really thought that this movie was going to delve more with the trial. And Which be, we were excited about. I was like, that'll be so different. It'll be interesting. And like, but it, yep. it honestly kind of went back to the same formula as the other movies. Right. So it's like, this is going to be a court trial. And then they set it up like, well, until the trial, you have to gather as much evidence as possible. So the bulk of the movie is them, you know, tracing down leads and finding out how and why and what this demon is. And there's actually a a deeper story to it that probably didn't happen in real life. This is very much based on a true story. But as far as the court trial goes, like, I, the last two minutes is like, oh, by the way, there's also a court trial. I felt like this was a lot looser based on the real story than the at least the first one. Because mm-hmm. the first one was definitely, like, looking up the story. That is a lot of the stuff that really happened, or at least that the people that experienced it, that's their story. No, but, like, the base facts in this are still there. Right, they but... They just kind of added a lot whole, of like, fluff. There was, like, a whole witch thing and, like, a curse, and that just didn't happen in real life. The curse! The curse! It's all a curse! Everything is cursed. This is cursed. That is cursed. I'm wondering how many more of these they're going to do, because where, in real life, this is about where in time Ed had his heart attack and died. Yeah, and they... I mean, they didn't stop a, entirely, but they definitely dial it back. He has a heart attack in this, and he's supposed to be easing in, and they kind of make this thing with his pills and all this stuff. But in real life, not that long after that, he had a, another incident, and he, he passed away. So I wonder if they're going to stay true to that, or if they're going and they're going to just continue with Lorraine, or what they're going to do. Or, or maybe, they could backtrack and do an earlier story and just kind of, like, de-age them with makeup. Because they didn't even talk about Ed and Lorraine when they went to Amityville or any of that stuff. Amityville's been done a dozen it's times. It's true. But there is a lot of other Ed and Lorraine cases that they could talk about. So it'll be interesting to see where they go from here. I liked it, but obviously the first one was the scariest and the best. I think this one was better than number two, though. So another sequel. Jeez. We watched a lot of sequels. Uh, Escape Room Tournament of Champions. Well, okay, now here's a sequel. Alright. I love the original... Escape the Room, because we'd been kind of on an Escape the Room kick at the time. And going into this one, you're like, well, how are you going to do it? Everyone's dead. It's just going to be a separate story. But it actually ties in really well to the first one. And I gotta say, if you didn't see them die, they're not dead. Either in the first movie or in this one. Right. And what you think you saw, you may not have seen. So we see the first two... In the first movie, these two characters got out. Mm-hmm. They escaped, but they were trying to track down the corporation that made it yeah. happen. They're trying to figure out, and I, 
kind of wish that there had been more of that, but it, it was a whole thing, and I liked the movie. I do think the first one was just a tiny bit more successful at telling a better story, and I liked aspects of this one, cause, but basically everyone in this room that comes back was formerly The, the final game. girl, so to speak. Yeah, like, and they all came from different themes. Yeah, so, like, there's one for people who had survived... Uh, massive tragedies like accidents and that that was was the the original movie and then there was somebody with uh people who had uh no pain tolerance there was one for people who had survived what was it like uh like natural disasters or something Something like that and then there was a person that there was a priest trying Mm. to see if god would play into your belief in god would play into it um, so it was really interesting to see what gets me is how they got them all in the same place they don't really explain that like they kidnapped them. No, they, they were all on a train. Like, th- there had to be a way to lure them all there, because they all seemed pretty shocked Yeah. that it, that it happened again. It wasn't like they got a card saying, That's come true. meet here and we'll trick you into dying. Right. So it was it was fascinating, and I, I still really liked it. I thought the rooms were kind of cool in this one. It was amazing. I think some of the puzzles were a little bit more obvious to me, but maybe not to you. I don't know. Yeah, I'm dumb. Now, I, I did like a lot of the puzzles in the first movie better, but some of these were just really, really fun and interesting. I love the one outside with the acid rain. That was a really fun... That one was really sad. Yeah. The Escape the Room movies really have exceeded my expectations. They seem like kind of dumbass knockoffs of, of a current trend, but well, cause there's, it works. There's Escape Room and then this one, and then there's a movie on Netflix called The Escape Room. Yeah, did we watch that one? I did, by myself. You, I don't know if you would enjoy it that much. Why not? It was more, more into, like, ghosts and, and stuff. Boo. Yeah, it wasn't really puzzles. I mean, there were puzzles, but it dealt with kind of, like, time paradoxes and, and ghosts, and it, it was a little confusing. Fuck that, cause, I mean, like, if I'm going to watch something like The Cube, that's kind of, like, kind of mysterious and in and of itself. I, I really like The Cube. It's a really good movie series, but... You know, that is kind of, like, paranormal in a sense. Like, it's a perpetual trap. Just to sidetrack for a little bit, The Cube, the first movie, was really good. Mm-hmm. And the second movie wasn't bad, but the third movie, Hypercube... It went off the it rails. Was, yeah, it was trying to explain, like, how the cube worked, and it was... They clearly did not have an idea of how it worked in the first so movie. We don't give a fuck. It's just a fun concept. Yeah, they really... Like, they tried to explain how it worked in the first... In the... All the movies and the hypercube just didn't really work for me. Yeah, but anyway, Escape the Room, really good. We, we haven't really had a bad one on the list yet, have we? No, we've enjoyed it, these uh, at least partially. I think we're just really good judges of character. We, we watch the trailers and we see the stuff and we're like, is that a movie worth watching? Uh, maybe not. We normally skip the ones we're not interested in. Honestly, we've been just kind of like, if we're... Now, obviously, ones we're in theaters, we haven't been leaving. Ones that are on at home we've honestly just been turning them off yeah if we start it in 15 20 minutes in like we wa- we tried watching hellboy and so the bad. 2019 one not the one with ron perlman because that one's great but we watched it and we were like three or four scenes in 20 minutes and we just ended up turning it off because we, we were like we're gonna go to sleep we this, hated it this is no there's it was so dull i didn't even know what was going on because i couldn't follow it there was nothing endearing about it so we said f it and turned it off but we've been kind of choosy about what we go out to theaters you know but anyway, 
the next movie we watched was a movie called Don't Breathe 2. Another sequel. Like Jeez. I said, this whole list was full let's of see, sequels. The, literally, let's see. The only one that's left to talk about today that's not a direct remake or sequel is Shang-Chi. <laughs> and it's part of a universe. Yeah, so... But anyway, Don't Breathe 2, uh, if you're not familiar with the first movie... It's this, like, old man... And he was, like, a vet for, like, a Navy SEAL or something. And he won this lawsuit, so he's got all this money, and these kids try to break into his house. Well, in the sequel, he has this little girl that he is, like, raising as she's his like, daughter. She's, like, 12? Yeah, I think she's supposed to be, like, 12... 12-ish, somewhere <laughs> in there. And she... He's raising her, and then all of a sudden these people start, like, following her when she goes into town with his, like... I don't know. Re- real creepy. Yeah, and then they come back to the house, and they break in, and they're trying to steal her, and turns out that the, if you saw the first one, you knew it couldn't be his daughter, but he, like, basically took her off the street. Right, so long story short is that there was a big meth house that exploded or something, and rather than turn her into, like, CPS or something, he just took her home and raised her as kind of like a you know, award, but also as someone to survive certain things. So he, like, puts her through survival training, and she it takes care of him tough. in a sense. Yeah. And then when they come and get her, it's suddenly like, okay, she's... It's her versus the intruders. Right. And you... I don't want to give away what happens when she gets reunited with her parents, but she does. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's kind of just the rest of the movie is him trying to get her back. Yeah. But it's, it, technically, she's not his to begin with, but he did raise her for over like, half a life. It was like six years. Yeah, or six or seven years. I liked this one. You said you liked this one better than the first one, yeah? I did. I liked this one better than the first one. I thought the first one was better because it made him more of like an, a villain, and it made everyone the lines a little bit more cloudy on to, as to who was good and who was bad. And I felt this one was very much clearly trying to make him into kind of a good guy. I also felt like the motivations in the first one, they were clear, but they weren't, like, justified. Like, I felt like breaking in to save a little girl from a maniac, that's a pretty good motivation. Right. But things are just not as they seem. And that's what I like about it. So the last two movies on this list were a little bit bigger movies than some of the other ones. We've got a long-awaited sequel to the, to Suicide Squad called The Suicide Squad. Very big difference. Because that's not confusing at all. And then we've got a movie called Candyman. So, Suicide Squad, I mean, if you remember the first one, it was basically these villains that they let out of prison with promises of lowering their sentences. And... They, all they have to do is, like, work for Amanda Waller to try to stop some big bad guy in the DC Universe. And Amanda Waller is back in this movie. And let's see. So is Rick Flagg, Boomerang, Harley Quinn. I think that might be pretty much it. That's pretty much it. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of returning people from that first movie because it was called Suicide Squad. We don't know that they're all dead. I know, but... But maybe they just weren't fitted for this mission. But they star-studded this thing with a ton of new villains, a lot of whom are really like... C and D list villains. I heard that John Cena was in this movie, but I didn't see him once. <laughs> That's a great joke. 
in all seriousness, uh, James Gunn directed this, and so this movie felt a lot like a darker Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got, like, your... Th- there were some weird villains. You had Ratcatcher 2. Mm-hmm, because her dad was Ratcatcher, and we love sequels. Um, and then you had Polka Dot Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, Rick Flagg and Harley Quinn. What What's Idris Elba's character name? Uh, Bloodsport. And then John Cena's character is... Peacekeeper? Peacemaker? That sounds right. And then you've got the uh, King Shark. Yeah. King Shark was great. One of the highlights of this movie. I will say, they kind of dumbed King Shark down. Is he that way in the comics? I I honestly don't know. I know that he is not fully intelligent, much like uh, Gorilla Grodd would be. But Gorilla Grodd is much smarter, though. But, than yeah. But in this one, King Shark was... Very much like the Hulk, where he could string together a few words if need be, but mostly it was just general ideas. It kind of seemed like he was learning. Maybe he just hasn't really had a lot of chance to learn. So, maybe in this, if they make another one, he'll be a little bit smarter. To spoiler alert, he is very hard to kill, and he does survive to the end on this one. Not everybody can get the same uh, treatment. Yeah, don't get attached to anybody. There was a whole other team of... There's a, also Scrat, Scrunt... Whatever the, the weasel's name His name is Weasel. Oh, whatever. And uh, Pete Davidson plays a character. Uh, there's a whole bunch of characters. Yeah, there's, there's Savant. There's the detachable kid. There's there's all sorts of really... Whoever Mike Worker plays. Yeah, that's Savant. Oh, okay. But there, there's know. a lot of weird characters. The thinker is in it. And it's very apparent very early in the movie that some, some of, the of these motherfuckers go and die. Pete Davidson is toast. I mean, that's fair. But they, basically, their mission is to, they're in some, like, country down near, I mean, on an island. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a Cuba-type company, country. What are they supposed to be doing? They're trying to shut down Project Starfish, because there's a, there's an evil dictator who's, like, taking over and wants to release all this information, and apparently it's really bad. Right. And so they're going in and they're going to try to stop it. And that leads into the big bad guy, which is Starro, the Conqueror. And talk about a massive, ridiculous villain that you could not have a decade ago. That was crazy. That's the most wild villain I've ever seen. It's so weird and so fun. And there were a lot of side villains, too. Uh, one of them like tries to marry Harley Quinn at one point, And it has to do a lot with uh, like cartel uh, militia types that are just trying to stop the Suicide Squad. But it's really all about the characters themselves, and even though they weren't quite as big names, I think, as the first Suicide Squad, this was a much more it enjoyable. This was better because, like, you're not attached to them. Right, you don't go in with some expectation of what Harley Quinn is supposed to be like. We, we've seen this Harley Quinn before, we'll say, so no. I was still a little bit dis- like, I wasn't completely disappointed. There were just parts of it that I was like, eh. But I, I was really happy that. Like Ratcatcher Two got such a big part. Mm-hmm. No, Polka Dot Man actually got a huge part, which was surprising. And his um, his, his mental thing. Oh, he is such a broken man, and it is makes for such a funny uh, visuals. By the in way, this movie. the the island is called Porto Maltese. It is a made up island. Okay. And in fact, it not only was featured in this movie, but Smallville, Arrow. Batman 1989, and The Night Dark Knight Returns. So this is definitely a DC island. It, yeah, it's a made-up DC island. Kind of like Metropolis and Gotham and Star City and Yeah, all that. pretty much. Gotcha. Okay, see, the more you know. I learned something today. But I, it, 
sort of, I think, is supposed to kind of resemble a Cuba type, because it, it's in South America. Yeah. But, like, I mean, as far as, like, geography and type stuff, mm-hmm. no, I've never been to Cuba, but the pictures, it kind of and looks you, like And you that. definitely get, like, Fidel Castro type vibes From off of it. From the dictator? For sure. That was really funny. Yeah, Harley meets with the dictator, and that's a really funny scene. Yeah, there's some great stuff, and I, I recommend the movie. It's not an amazing flick, but compared to some of the other DC stuff, it is better in my opinion. It was uh, a lot better than the first Suicide Squad well, movie. Yeah, that, sure. that one was hot shit, for sure. Uh, but the last movie that we're going to talk about is called Candyman, which it's not really a reboot of the first Candyman. It's very much a direct sequel. I think it's... I'm not sure if it's the first or the second movie. I, I haven't seen the second Candyman. I think it's the second movie, and then it just pretty much is like, none of the rest of the movies happened. But I'm not sure. It might just be the first one. Uh, but essentially this guy, he's an artist, mm-hmm. and he starts kind of find his new series, right? So he gets involved with this legend of Candyman that happened in the building he's living in. Mm-hmm. Because it got gentrified really bad, and so he moves in, but there's still areas around there that have the whole Candyman Myth. mythology around it. And for those that's not familiar, essentially there was this man who uh, used to give out candy, and the police, there was started to be poison candy, kids started to be Razor sick. blades. Razor blades, that's right. And so they basically beat this guy to death, this black guy to death, and it turns out it was somebody else putting razor blades in the candy. And so an, a quote-unquote innocent man died because he kind of fit a profile. And that happened actually a lot in this area, so it became kind of a recurring thing where Candyman is the latest of people who kind of gets police brutality. And if you say his name five times in the mirror, he comes and kills you. Yeah, yes. So don't say that name too many times. Right, and so in the story, he kind of gets involved in it, and he makes art pieces around it, and then the more and more he kind of gets pulled into the mythos and the legend of Candyman, the more it kind of starts entering and creeping into his personal life. Literally eating away at him. Yeah, and it's really creepy and really fun. But the way they kind of explain away the the stories and the you know the progression within the community, like mm-hmm. it happened here, it happened there. It's it's a phenomenal storytelling method they use the shadow puppets. Oh yeah, it's super cool, interesting like movie technique. I really like the puppets. There was I I think we should watch it again before Halloween. Because I think that some of the shadowiness and the, there's some really cool forbidding stuff that you don't really notice the imagery the first time you watch it. And the end credits actually do a lot for it. It almost tells the whole story over yeah. over shadow puppets. It's, it's really, really good. cool. The end credits are cool. There's no like extra credit scene or anything like that, but the end credits themselves were beautiful and and they talk about the previous Candyman and stuff. Yeah. So. so and it does leave it open to have more Candyman movies. So. I'm pumped to see where they go with it. I, it was, it uh, they was might. also kind of a commentary on what's been happening, but in like a really subtle but not subtle way. Yeah, they don't, they don't say Black Lives Matter, but it kind of encapsulates well, and like, the idea. The longer the movie goes on, the more obvious the message is. Yeah. Until at the end, you really see that police brutality. Yeah. I loved the way they did that. Like They, they kind of make it like kind of palatable. 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 That's the word. And then, like, they really just... Emperor Palpatine. Then they just really upped it right at the end. So in case you didn't get the message beforehand, they are like, here you go, dummy. 
is what we talk about. And I saw some dumbasses online being like, oh, the SJW's got a holy candy man. Like, did you not watch any of the earlier ones? This is exactly what they the were portraying first, the first time around. The whole first one was about some white lady sticking her nose where it doesn't belong. Yeah, but so, like, the idea that this is just suddenly political or whatever, they can kiss my ass because it was all always pretty political. I think a lot of people just weren't, like, they just were oblivious to previous messages. Like, back in the day, I think they just made things more too subtle for people. The internet has also not done any favors because suddenly everything has a, a ulterior message behind it, you know? Well, honestly, horror movies are all about, you know, current events. And, and if you watch a horror movie and you look at what decade it came from, you can kind of tell what was going on in that decade if you watch sure. a good horror movie. I mean, there's a lot of trash ones. But if you watch some of the best horror movies from each decade, you can really see, like, the fears that were going on in that decade. You can really kind of see what was being expressed. Even, like, you know, you think about, like, The Exorcist, like, you know, the idea of demonology and stuff. Satanic panic was a real it thing. It was a then. huge thing, and that's when televangelism started to come around. That's when a lot of the big mega churches started to happen. It's because of that, you know, oh, well, we're out of World War Two. We've had this big economic thing. Where do we turn? Every Jesus. aspect of horror has some aspect of real-life fears. I mean, you've got your body horror, and that's all about, like, how you feel scared in your own skin. Yeah, there's monsters, you know, things in the closet, go bump in the night. I mean, that's why so many, like, plague-type zombie movies are coming out right now, because we're all so scared of getting sick and dying. Yeah. So, sure. it's just really all about what's going on current. So, to say a horror movie, oh, they got political, they've always been political, you just didn't notice before. Cool. That pretty much wraps up what we have going on for the movies that we've seen, except for one, and that's Shang-Chi, Legend of the Ten Rings. We're not going to get too hard into this one, because we are actually going to make a separate kind of mini-sode that has all sorts of spoilery stuff in it. Uh, but what were your general thoughts on Shang-Chi? I think the movie was beautiful. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the fight scenes were some of the best fight scenes we've seen in the MCU. At least, like, hand-on-hand -hand combat, not, you know, mystical yeah. powers and all that. Um, I think the actors were amazing. They couldn't have picked better actors to play these characters. Mm -hmm. I loved the villain. Wenwu was an amazing character. And Shang was fantastic. Mm -hmm. I, and even his sister. Uh, but, yeah, the sister was super good. I, Aquafina brought I, it. I liked that they made her character funny, but also had, like, real seriousness to her character. Yeah, because even though she's kind of played up as this, you know... Comedic relief. Yeah, and she does a lot of, like, you know, racial code switching and things, like trying to be too urban or whatever. Uh, you mean earlier in her career? Yeah, like, you, you've you seen her do serious stuff with stuff like um, The Farewell, right? She is a serious actress. She just kind of gets typecast. And I like that she kind of pushed her comfort zone and being in Marvel, she's not just a goofy side character. She actually does something for She has, like, real feelings and stuff. Yeah, but for me, I think this is what cinema needed, and this is what Marvel needed to come back. Black Widow did not do, for Marvel moving forward, what Shang-Chi does. I honestly think if Black Widow had come out when it was supposed to, it probably would have been better for them. It probably would have made more money, and it probably would have been better received. Mm -hmm. But it had just been so long since, you know, she. We already knew she was dead. There yeah. was no real stakes. We weren't. There's nothing to be excited about. So for 
no, there was no moving forward in this. The only real like forward motion we got was the introduction of new characters that may pop up in later movies. Right. So after riding that high of Endgame, we were kind of all just depressed and sad, and there was nothing. We so. wanted something new and hopeful and exciting, and so, Shang Chi does it. Yeah, it definitely brought um, it. CGI is great. World building is awesome. Like you said, the fight scenes are amazing. And you actually care about the characters moving through the story, so it's not—it's probably not my favorite MCU, but it is definitely like I, top five origin flicks. I think it's top three origin flicks, because I would say Iron Man, Captain America, and this are the best three origins. Yeah. Because um, I mean, I would argue that Ant Man and Guardians of the Galaxy were also pretty damn good. Ant Man is a great film, but I wouldn't say it's a top origin film. Yeah, but you get a whole new feel for what's happening in Shang Chi and. Our spoilery uh, podcast will kind of go into more detail, so please turn to, to that when it does eventually come out. I don't know exactly. We're not going to wait two when. months. No, definitely not. But we do want to kind of get into a lot more details there. But that's going to wrap up this massive kind of overview episode of summer 2021. So if you stayed with us through the whole thing, that's awesome. If you just skipped to the parts you cared about, that's cool, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter, at RealRomanceUCPN. We also have Real Romance on Instagram and Facebook. My personal is at Bob on Twitter, and Brittany's at BookNerd528 on Instagram. We also have an email address. Uh, RealRomancePod at gmail.com. That's it. It's been so long, I almost forgot. And check out uh, our cat and dog TikToks on Real Romance. We do have a TikTok, don't we? Yeah, feel free to send us TikToks. Yeah, even if we don't make many. We love watching funny TikToks, so just kind of include us in the conversation. That pretty much wraps it up. Thank you so much, and tune in for the Shang-Chi episode coming up here shortly. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Romance Season 3. Remember to follow us on all of our social media accounts and our affiliates at Undercover Capes Podcast Network and Comic Crusaders.